From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, rock the endothelium. Uh, We saw the patients the day before the surgery was planned, and, and to our great surprise, the measured area of edema had completely resolved. First this. Want to learn about macra, MIPS, and running an excellent and efficient ophthalmology practice? You'll love iTalks Radio, the official podcast of the American Society of Ophthalmic Administrators. Let's get right down to the basics of macro. For those of you who are not familiar with this law, what is macro? MACRA does stand for the Medicare Access and CHIP Reauthorization Act. iTalks Radio brings to ASCRS members, ASOA members, and even non-members practical information on human resources, government regulatory compliance, middle management, and productivity. Indulge at italksradio.org. That's E-Y-E-T-A-L-K-S radio.org. Italks Radio, the yang to my yin. Keratorefractive surgery has been a hot topic for many years. But the treatment of corneal pathology has been something of a sleeper until very recently. With the American approval of cross-linking, many corneal ectasias can be managed without transplantation. On the transplantation front, things are exciting as well, with preloaded DMEC tissue and endothelial cell culturing. Perhaps the most unconventional therapy is primary desmetorexis for the treatment of Fuchs endothelial dystrophy. In this procedure, the central endothelium is removed, but no graft tissue is introduced into the eye. This radically new procedure shows promise and has been discussed in this podcast before. But even in the context of this tremendous progress, Dr. Maloney's discovery is truly surprising. I'll let him explain. Greg, let me sort of set up the situation. You've spoken about it. You've demonstrated uh, really great results with primary endothelial cells stripping with, with, with endothelial rexis for Fuchs patients, and the majority of uh, patients have cleared, uh, and a sizable number, what, like 25-30% have, um, have ultimately failed therapy, and you're feeling, well, what, why do you think, what, what was your sense before doing this, that, that, that uh, some of the patients did not get adequate migration of cell centrally we so, so we we think that it's either um patient related factors or surgical factors but we're still drilling down on each of those points um we think that um patient factors that might be significant are a um the the number of cells they have available to migrate so their physical reserve um their the patient's age um and uh we looked also at the patient's genetics so we know Fuchs dystrophy um, is, has multiple um, uh, genetic uh, uh, backgrounds, but the most common one is a trinucleotide repeat expansion on chromosome 18, which results in an overload of um, uh, 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 RNA that the cell can't cope with, that becomes toxic and they die. There's, there are studies linking the number of repeat expansions you have with a worse phenotype of Fuchs. So it seemed logical to us to see whether an increased um, genetic load translated to a worse response to this surgery. At this point in time, none of those factors has been uh, significantly correlated with time to healing in our series. 
um, which was a surprise to us. And we don't know whether that's just those will play out in with larger numbers and, and better analysis. I suspect that they will, and I think we all just need larger data there. So those things are, are, are probably involved, but we can't prove that yet. No, your 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 study was a really really fascinating study. Let me ask you, what was the question that your study sought to answer? The question was: um, Is removal of decimase membrane with the associated guitarda a, a viable surgery without transplantation of a graft? A viable, reliable surgical intervention for fixed dystrophy for patients who have visual degradation from guttata primarily. So we're not looking to rehabilitate um, pseudophagic bullous keratopathy. We're not looking to rehabilitate Fuchs with low cell counts and, and widespread bullous change. We're looking to fix up Fuchs patients who are having trouble with night driving. Um, visual reduction in the, in the order of, uh, say, 2040 to 2060. That's the sort of patient who we wonder whether this surgical intervention was reliable or not. As a, uh, so, uh, sub, uh, as a product of that study, we were hoping to identify who was going to be the candidates that we would offer this to. Um, that's still what we're figuring out. So let, let me get you to describe the, the design of your study. Sure. So it was a prospective uh, non-randomized surgical trial um, where patients were enrolled. Um, uh, uh, we had a, a external ethics review board approval and um, patients were enrolled. They received decimeterexis by a standard surgical technique uh, and then they were followed up uh, rigorously weekly in the first month and then monthly for 12 months um, with clear parameters for when we would step in and perform a graft. And that was, very, that was critical to ethics approval of the study was that if there was any evidence that the patients were not healing, they were to be offered a transplant and, and promptly. So if... There was three weeks of uh, no observable improvement. We were triggered into action to um, salvage that. And what, 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 what were the the outcome measures that you were following that const- that you could say that you could use to say that the patient was not improving, improving or not? Yeah. So improvement in visual acuity, um, reduction in the size of the edema measured at the slit lamp at the same time of day. Um, uh, that, those were the main uh, main two. Um, so what we could see and what the patients were seeing. And what, what, what were your findings? What were your, your, your results? So when we selected patients who we thought would do well, uh, we found that 9 out of 12 patients cleared their cornea with improvement in vision above baseline. Uh, 3 out of 12 patients did not. Um, well, 3 out of 12 patients stalled that healing process and were triggered into some kind of salvage manoeuvre. Uh, Originally, at the commencement of the study, that was to be an endothelial graft. By the time we went through uh, ethics and by the time we started our study, more and more evidence was accumulating behind the uh, rock inhibitor class of um, drugs as potential accelerators of corneal endothelial healing. Now, the, these are, are glaucoma medications. I mean, on, on label so the, the only on-label uh, rock inhibitor available worldwide right now is, is a drug available in Japan, uh, uh, which is on-label as a BD dosing for a, as a glaucoma drop. Um, so B, BID dosing? That's you? right, yeah. yeah. So we, that has been through... Um, so we were faced, a, as the study progressed, a bit with a question, do we think that with this accumulating evidence we have another way to salvage these patients who are failing... Or did we need to commit them to a graft? And we reviewed that as a as a, a unit, and we discussed it with our ethics. And we got 
we came to a conclusion that we would try these drops for two weeks and if there was no observable improvement after two weeks then we would proceed to a graft. Sorry Greg, there, 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 there's a step that, that, I'm, that, I'm, that I'm missing here. What is the connection between um, the between endothelial migration or, or the cessation thereof and rock inhibitors? It's a, it's a great question. I mean the, 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 the full answer is we're not entirely sure yet, but um, there, is a, there is a cellular signal that puts a handbrake on endothelial migration, I believe, after a certain period of time, um, that there has been an injury to the endothelium. There will be, what we see is some attempt at healing, and then that attempt gets turned off. Um, what the ROC inhibitors do, and, and it's, this is known from, from lab work for many years, is uh, encourage and promote cell migration in cell culture. Uh, the way they probably do that is to act on the internal cell cytoskeleton to change them into a migratory phenotype. So we knew that the rock inhibitor class of, um, of drugs was capable of encouraging migration when migration had stalled. Um, we also knew that it was commercially available but for glaucoma and there was safety data on that commercially available product in humans in phase three clinical trials so we saw an opportunity there to trial that for our study patients um, so your 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 inclusion criteria were patients who had undergone primary decimase stripping and then had failed to resolve correct or had okay. stalled their healing their healing yeah. had not progressed in three weeks um, which we they, and, and in one case, that was much longer. And what was your, your treatment protocol vis-a-vis -vis the, 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 the rock, rock inhibitor, inhibitor drops? So we, we obtained, at first we obtained, there are, there are two molecules that have been studied with rock inhibitors. There's a, uh, one is called Y27632. Uh, a catchy name. Yeah, <laughs> that's really going to catch on. But that, so that's had a lot of lab work done. But it is not commercially available. It is available as a product that you can compound, and so we obtained that. And we compounded that for one patient. And after two weeks, we saw really no benefit. Um, there was no change in the area of edema, no change in that patient's vision. That patient then proceeded to an endothelial graft the following day. And at that point, we had lost some enthusiasm that, that anything else was going to work. Um, and we actually booked the other two patients who were failing for, for graft. Tissue was allocated, surgical time was allocated. And in that time, we obtained the commercially available product, which is a different molecule. It's K115. It's commercially prepared. It wasn't prepared by us. And um, we uh, applied that um, uh, for two, two weeks at a dosage of six times a day. Uh, we saw the patients the day before the surgery was planned, and, and to our great surprise, the, the measured area of edema had completely resolved. Really? completely resolved and uh, the patients had clear cornea with improvement of vision above above baseline um, which was a tremendous surprise that, I mean that, that, that that's um, hard, hard to believe I mean that's it really really, really something um, and, and, and as you said all of this without introducing additional cells no 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 graft tissue no external tissue yeah. so uh, let, let, let me uh, I mean obviously uh, be it would be such an understatement to say that this is something promising. Let me ask you, given what you found, what do you do in your own practice now when a patient comes in with fugues? It's kind of a funny time to ask right now because we, well, I had a period where we did some pilot cases of the desmetorexis with rapazidol um, in the private setting with individual consent. 
Um, what we're learning from that is that if you use this drop, it will roughly double your healing time. Most patients will probably heal, we, we believe, within a month or six weeks. Um, and uh, uh, so, but, but at, at, the, at this point in time, and if a patient comes to me now, we're actually putting them aside for a larger clinical trial into, this, um, into the drop. Forecasting into the future, what will I say when that study's done? What do I believe I'll be saying next year? If, if a patient comes to me and they have Fuchs dystrophy, not pseudophagic bullous keratopathy, and they have dense central catarta, and they have a reasonable peripheral endothelial reserve, with some confidence I'll say to them, I think we should do this surgery first. You'll have blurry vision for around a month, possibly less, and in one patient we saw clearing in two weeks. Um, and then the price that's the price you'll pay in the long term for having no uh, external tissue in your eye uh, and I'll only have to do a 10 minute surgery rather than a 45, 60 minute surgery which will commit you to long term immunosuppression what we don't know what to tell these patients is how long will that last you at the end of the day what we are asking is for the, their own cells to migrate in they are still genetically unhealthy cells um, we are probably buying Fuchs patients time before they need a graft but when you think about it, in most cases it's taken them 40 years to 50 years, 60 years to develop enough gatata that they are symptomatic. So maybe our first patient is now three years post-surgery and still looks fine. Greg, let, let me ask you one last question. And in, in a way, it's the, it's the most serious question. Uh, and, and it's this. Aside from a potential delay in achieving the result that they want, is there any risk to going this route, knowing that you can always do an endothelial? Should I would think you'd always be able to do an endothelial graft later, to, to to just doing an endothelial graft? So the answer I would say is that, that what what I was concerned about is do is do are we compromising a graft in the future? If they need one, are we compromising a graft? In the patients who you are leaving them with edema for a long time. Chronic edema in the cornea can induce some stromal change, can induce some haze, can induce some structural change. Um, so if you are leaving a patient for too long, I think the answer to that question might be yes. But uh, if we can accelerate that healing time to be a matter of weeks, then I expect the answer will be no. Um, what's really important to look at is the outcomes of the grafts in the patients who have failed desmetorexis, and, and we need to watch those patients very closely. We have, as I said, we have one of those. Um, some centers, uh, some other centers have uh, have an, a collection of those as well. So, um, so that but that question is that's our job to do due diligence on that on that question to, to make sure we're not uh, compromising a graft in the future. Greg, this is just beyond fascinating. I mean, this is really, really, really interesting stuff. I want to thank you so much uh, for the time that you've spent with me. Today. No, no, my pleasure. Yeah. Greg Maloney comes to us from Mossman, Australia. His paper. Desmetorexis without grafting for Fuchs endothelial dystrophy supplementation with topical rapacidil appears in the June 2017 issue of Cornea. Ask questions of Dr. Maloney or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your questions or comments at josh at iWorld.org. As seen from here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast.
I'm Josh Young.